Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. This is the Vice Guide to Right Now, your inside look into the best of vice. It's Monday, September 10th. I'm Sophie Cases. Today we're talking to Vice writer Eve Pizer about the illuminating and horrifying things she found while purging her Twitter history. Eve Pizer has 80,000 followers on Twitter, and in the past, she's used the platform quite a lot. But recently, she's followed the trend of public personalities sifting through their Twitter histories to delete old posts. Unlike the many people in the public eye who are using bots to clear their histories, Eve decided to manually go through all of her old tweets, one at a time, as a way to examine what she calls her liability-prone past selves. And through this long process, she learned a lot about self-loathing, shame, and privacy. So here's Eve talking with Vice Executive Editor Dory Carr-Harris about this experience. There's been a lot of discussions in the media recently about Twitter, namely because in the last week or so, they decided to permanently ban Alex Jones, the InfoWars host and uh, alt-right media personality for his continued harassment of people and sort of promulgation of potentially problematic views, especially surrounding Sandy Hook, most notably. And in addition to that, There's been sort of, I wouldn't call it a movement, but a trend towards people sort of going back and looking kind of reflectively at their old timelines, looking at early tweets, seeing just the way I think that the platform has evolved or how they themselves have evolved. And it's been causing some discussion online. I think you picked up on this. And as someone who's been very active on Twitter in the past, kind of had a small reckoning, I think it's fair yeah, to say. absolutely. Tell us a little bit about that moment, what it was like, and, and, and how you felt. When I first began my writing career, Twitter was so important to me in order to, like, meet new people who work in the industry and to just, I used it as basically like a diary. I just kind of rattle off whatever was on my mind, like, half-formed bad jokes, ideas that could be be smart, but I wasn't sure. And I'd kind of throw everything out there and see what stuck. And I was just like really open on my Twitter and would just tell people exactly how I was feeling about everything the moment it was happening. I think the tone of the website has changed quite a bit since I started tweeting, especially since the election and since Trump came into office. It has increasingly felt like this vicious place where old tweets frequently come back to bite you. And it really just feels like you're in this environment where people kind of like the more 
notoriety you have on the site, the more people are looking for a reason to try to bring you down and peg. And so in the past month or two, a lot of people have written about how they just erase all their tweets or have like a bot that erases all their tweets, you know, every couple weeks or whatever. And I didn't really want to do that because I had like, I think when I started the project, I had I had over 51,000 tweets. And I I also like keep a journal and I am kind of obsessive about having a record of everything. And I didn't want to just like delete everything and start anew. I really wanted to look back and see all the tweets I had done that could potentially get me in trouble or that I just don't stand by anymore and think about why I tweeted them and reread them as I was deleting them in order to teach myself why I shouldn't do that on Twitter anymore and to really understand the pitfalls of just like being totally open online. When I first started doing it, I kind of did it over the course of like a month and I'm still kind of doing it. But I was just like in like a pit of despair and self-loathing. I was like, oh my God, I'm so dumb. I'm so annoying and embarrassing. I can't believe that I just put all this out into the world. Of course, many of the embarrassing tweets I had tweeted when now I have like almost 80,000 followers and I was tweeting it when I had, you know, 10,000 followers, which is just such a different way to be online when you have a smaller audience. So I think, at least for me, like my quest in life is to kind of be the best, most self-aware person possible, which is why I didn't want to do a cop out by just having a bot delete all my tweets, but doing it myself. And so you embarked upon this much more laborious sort of exercise in curation. What were some of the criteria that you used when deciding what was a tweet that would stay and what was one that would go? Well, I didn't just like scroll through all my tweets. I would search kind of specific keywords that I knew would bring up tweets that I might regret or might be controversial in some way. For um, instance? Uh I had decided I didn't want to share any of the keywords because I'm a more private person now. (laughs) Um, Fair enough. But I deleted a lot of stuff I had written about like politics and me kind of dunking on other people or overreacting to things. And I also deleted a lot of tweets about like my mental health issues and and stuff that I've I've as as I kind of um, become less mentally ill, have decided to like keep to myself more. But I didn't have a specific criteria. I just deleted anything that made me cringe or anything that I read that I thought could be taken out of context. Sometimes like I'd make a sarcastic joke about a really specific thing happening on Twitter two years ago that obviously now nobody would understand and might have seemed like off in a way that I just like couldn't stand by it. But I basically I guess like the general criteria was like, would I support this tweet now? Would I tweet this now? And I and I'd also run into things that made me laugh. Um, I think that the things that I was really happy to, to delete was every time I saw myself like taking shit too seriously, whereas like 
to me, the conversation on Twitter is like something I actually don't want to really be super involved in in a way that I used to really want to. So anytime like some big event would happen, I could I would make some grand declaration about, you know, why the world is so bad in a way that I I might agree with now, but I'm like, okay, that's obvious and trite in some way. I kind of learned, I was like, I don't need to be a fucking voice of reason for anyone. And I wrote all those things because I knew they'd get retweets. And they did. A lot of the tweets I deleted were popular tweets. I just like, I think I've gotten to a point where I want to be like more true to myself and less pandering. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, you talked a little bit before about how the tenor of the platform of Twitter has changed, especially since Trump got elected. And I think that, you know, that's a more, it's actually a more complex issue than I think we, we might assume. So obviously, yes, it has 100% become a place that is mostly about vitriol and about clapbacks and about taking people to task for what they're saying, which can have both positive and negative effects and consequences. I think that with Trump tweeting, And the way that he has been tweeting, you know, Twitter has in some ways become a place where you can share any opinion and it becomes valid or it becomes law in a sense, in the greater sense of the word, because the president of the United States uses it as a place to announce new foreign policy updates or thoughts about, you know, bills that might be in Congress or the ongoing investigation into his conduct. So it gives a lot of weight to things that that might not have previously had that kind of weight. But I do think in some sense, it's an interesting debate because, you know, as we think about the public record, as we think about how we understand people's previous points of view, obviously it differs for, you know, private individuals versus public figures. But I think that, you know, people in the media kind of sit somewhere in between. So I'm wondering what you would say to maybe more like Twitter purists who think that it's important to be able to have a record on a public platform of of previous opinions that people might have held or things they might have believed in. It's funny. I was just reading this New Yorker profile of Glenn Greenwald, who is a progressive journalist and, and, and an avid tweeter, and he's very aggressive on Twitter. And there was a moment where the the writer of the profile noted that he he had been trying to disconnect. And a couple days after he called another progressive writer, Matt Iglesias. He's called him a coward for having a bot that deleted all his tweets. Glenn Greenwald did the same thing. So I think that that what can be gleaned from that is is it's it's straight up just like not really important to have a public record of everything you say unless you're like the president. I think that the popularity of Snapchat and Instagram stories illustrates this really well, that people like having a social media platform that automatically deletes your posts. Because social media is fun because it's impulsive. You kind of just throw something out in the world and and see how people respond. But because social media is designed to, to have its users not 
engage with the platform in a particularly thoughtful manner, but in a reactive manner. I think that the growing popularity of social media platforms that only have your posts for 24 hours speaks to a larger kind of desire um, of social media users where they want to use the platform and have fun and also not be held to their shit posts from two years ago. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, understanding that all information that you put on those platforms belongs to those platforms and they may decide to keep a record of it, but a record that is not immediately public. I think that, you know, it's it seems like there there could be, you know, we could be seeing a trend that we're just moving almost back to a place where the public record isn't necessarily on these platforms in the sense that the one that we take seriously, the one that we hold people responsible for and accountable to is, you know, in the case of like a Brett Kavanaugh in papers that he has previously published or opinions that he has been part of where we can accurately document what he was thinking at the time because it was presented in a thoughtful medium where a lot of time and effort was put into the thoughts that he put down on those papers. Right. I do want to note, though, I think that the whole idea of of having like a public record of all your thoughts is and 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 holding people to what they wrote 20 years ago isn't I mean, with Brett Kavanaugh, it's obviously very a, a different story. He's going to be a Supreme Court justice, perhaps. But some something that I learned going through all my tweets and that and the one thing that kind of made me feel good about it was I was like, I've changed a lot since 2015 and I've really grown up. I mean, I'm young. I'm 24 I've grown up and my thoughts and opinions about the world and how things should be have evolved. And I feel good about that evolution. Like, I'm glad that I don't agree with shit I thought in 2016 anymore. But I think that something that bothers me about people kind of finding old, embarrassing tweets and whatnot is that it it kind of operates under the assumption that you can't change your mind about things and that you have to stand by everything you've ever thought. And I would I would love to I mean, I think like my solution to this is basically like don't use social media as much. But I'd love to live in a world that like forgives people for not always having the same idea and that like really encourages change in people. Because, like, in a sense, like, that's the nice thing about having all all my old tweets. I see my evolution. I see all the people I've been. And it helps me figure out who I want to become. And what evolution have you sort of seen in yourself? I think that I have I've become less judgmental of other people and less aggressive. And I think that I've become more calm. And I like that about myself. Something that I'm always working on and that I particularly try to work on as a writer who's very much on the internet, which is a reactive environment, is being less reactive and being more thoughtful about people. I mean, I've written articles for Vice that like politics takes that I had to write two minutes after the event happened that I no longer stand by. And I think that that's okay. 
I think that just like working on being more thoughtful and less reactive in a world that demands you to be thoughtless and reactionary is always a good thing. You bring up age. And I think that that's a really interesting question here. I think that for a lot of people who've grown up with social media, as opposed to people who sort of took these tools on or platforms on later in life or as part of their professional life, rather rather than starting out there in their personal life, age is an interesting thing to consider if people who you know, like yourself or like people who are younger than you are starting to participate on these platforms in their teens, whether or not we do, you know, as we're saying, like allow for more flexibility there or whether it's important to almost not have these records or allow there to be more flexibility in those records to protect people. I mean, I think that that's why teens love Snapchat, because there aren't those records. I, I mean, I got my first Facebook account when I was like 13, which is obviously very young. And it was like right when Facebook came out and I had MySpace before that um, and Zanga. But yeah, I, I'm i kind of I feel like a curmudgeon because I'm like, oh, my God, kids should just not be able to do this. Like, I'm glad that I didn't grow up like with an iPad and that social media like wasn't such a phenomenon when I was first on it. But I can't even imagine what kids are going through now. And I think that it is bad for society to have these these public records of the folly of your youth. Mm. And do you think that Twitter on a whole or the platform as it's evolved has started to make people meaner? Yes, 100%. I mean, I think that in general, people obviously have a boldness when they use the internet that they don't have in real life. I've tweeted many things I would not say to somebody's face. But yeah, I think also, it's not only that there's like a screen and and you're not saying something to somebody's face, but I think that Twitter emboldens cruelty because like your most vicious tweets are the loudest and they're the ones that are going to be getting the faves and the retweets. But mostly it's like it's a cowardly platform for being an asshole because it's just like too easy to be an asshole on Twitter. To read Eve's full essay, go to vice.com. That's it for now. Thanks so much for listening and tune in again on Friday for another Vice Guide to Right Now.